What's up, bros? I'm Caleb. And uh, I'm Jonathan. And we are a couple of bros on a mission to give you guys the most detailed movie reviews out there with as little bias as possible. Welcome to the All Bros. Uh, this week on the podcast, we have one new movie coming out in 4K Spotlight that we are very excited about. Uh, Rose, not as much as as I am, just because there's going to be two that he's probably going to end up buying. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then we are going to go through the news of James Gunn's DC Universe plans real quick. We don't have a whole lot of thoughts on everything. Like, we're excited, um, but we're just going to go through that real quick. And then for this week's headliner, we will be breaking down Nightmare Alley. Uh, we were going to be breaking down Bullet Train, but we had to put that on hold um, for a very good reason. So you guys can look forward to hearing that next week. Um, but with that, let's say we get into this week's episode. Let's do it. Need motivation? Angry Dad Podcast. Trying to jumpstart your life? Angry Dad Podcast. You want help getting off the couch? Angry Dad Podcast. You need a verbal kick in the ass? Angry Dad Podcast. You want to hear from somebody who's been through it all? Angry Dad Podcast. I am here for you. You can find me on all podcast platforms. All right, starting off with 4K Spotlight. Rose, would you like to tell everyone why you're going to be spending a lot of money this week? I'm going to try not to. I think... I. Th- <laughs> I think I'm going to try to just get one steelbook, but we'll see if I can do that. <sighs> we'll see if the collector inside me lets me do that. Uh, anyway, so this week, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever comes to 4K and Blu-ray. And uh, because um, Disney and Marvel decided to say, fuck you, Rose. Um, <laughs> they... <laughs> Uh, they decided to uh, release uh, two versions of the Steelbook to Best Buy. One is the Wakanda Steelbook, you know, with Shuri, Okoye, um, M'Baku, everyone like that um, on the cover. Um, but which is what is weird and not even on the back is uh, Shuri's uh, Black Panther costume. It's nowhere on the Steelbook. It's really freaking weird. But whatever. Um, and then the other steel book they're releasing is of uh, uh is, it's Talokan, right? Talokan. Talokan. They're they releasing a Talokan steelbook. So they're releasing a Wakanda steelbook and a Talokan steelbook. Um it's freaking bullshit. Um I hate you, Disney. I hate you, Marvel. Why you gotta do this to me? I hate you. Dang, and you're that, bitter. <laughs> I know. But co- well, come on, man. Have you freaking seen how much steelbooks are? Dude, the Talokan steelbook is sick. It is. I think it's better than the Wakanda one. Dude, they could have done the exact same thing for the Black Panther or the Wakanda one. I don't know they why kinda, they didn't. Yeah. Kind of like it, it's like yeah. the Talokan version is just like it's super artsy fartsy and it looks freaking sick as shit. It does. But it the really Wakanda does. Forever, they just like they drop the ball. They like, yeah. Here's you title character over here. <laughs> the Wakanda one reminds me a lot of the uh Spider Man Far From Home steelbook. And that's not a good thing. Cause I get it. I I 
I mean, I got that steelbook, of course, but out of like the Tom Holland trilogy Spider-Mans, it's my least favorite steelbook by by far. That's fair. You are a freaking steelbook slut, and so <laughs> that I am. That I am. Um, yep, I'm the kind of person that will literally look through every single one that's in the that's uh, at the store just to make sure that there's no spine slit or everything. That is my biggest thing. I hate so much is spine slits. Next is dents, but spine slits are the freaking worst because some people do not know how to open a freaking box. That's the only reason that that happens. You don't take your box cutter and dig it deep into the box and then freaking cut it. Yet ever so slightly, because I'm sure it says like it's got to say like freaking fragile or some shit on the box, right? I hope so, dude. Fragile doesn't mean dick. True on a box, like dude. There was this dude who was shipping, um, like paints and stuff. Yeah, and he would put fragile on the boxes. When he was shipping stuff, and then they, they'd get to the place damaged, and he's just like, like every one that he put fragile on, and he says, and then one time I forgot to put fragile on it, and it came in perfect condition. So when you and then he like put fragile on it, the post office just like, hey, fuck you, yeah, and then and then when he, uh. He's he tested something because he found out that he was shipping it wrong because it was paint, and so he had to put instead of fragile he had to put a paint stamp on it, and he said like I thought you were gonna say he had to put fragile instead, <laughs> freaking dumb, um no so he would put paint on it and he says that the paint ones would always get there in like perfect condition he says because they know. If the paint freaking breaks, they have to clean it up. And he says the fragile is just like, hey, be careful with this. Hey, don't tell me what to do. And then they go and break it. And he says then the uh, like the normal boxes, he says they don't really give a shit about. So it, it's just like a hit and miss. He says the paint ones they're super careful with because they don't want to clean it up. <laughs> like That's if it's freaking hilarious. Yeah, if it like busts. And so he's like. Yeah, I put paint on everything now. He says, even if I'm not shipping paint, <laughs> I put a paint stamp on it. That's hilarious. That's smart. I got to remember that. <laughs> That's genius. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, Best Buy, two steelbooks because Marvel and Disney hates us. Um, you got a bare bones 4K release and a Blu-ray release. But then you are also getting a uh, Disney Movie Club exclusive uh, Blu-ray slipcover. Or I'm assuming it's a slipcover. I don't think it's just like the regular Blu-ray. Um, but it's uh, the... Um, so do you remember how the teaser poster was? It was like Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther mask. But like it was like complete like black background. and so Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's the exact same thing. But this time it's Shuri's Black Panther mask. Okay, yeah, it's, I can say it's really good. Yeah, I, it's simple, but I love it. Like, hell, I th- I would have taken that for uh, like say like that was like maybe the back of the steel book or some shit like that. I would have taken that. That would have been cool, dude. There's no excuse. They just got lazy. Yeah, true. Like they worked so hard on the Talokan, and they probably were like, "Hey, we need the Wakanda one done like now," and they're like, "Oh shit," and just slap something together. 
They're just like, okay, Mbaku goes here, blow up Shuri. Uh, let's put uh, Nakia. Wait, it's Nakia, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll put her in the bottom left corner. Okoye will blow her up a little bit, but not bigger than, than Mbaku. Bam, there we go. Yeah, no excuse. That was just pure laziness. Dude, even the freaking Walmart one is better. And I didn't even know they were doing a Walmart one. So, oh, I like that one a lot. So, it's, um, so it doesn't have any, like, of them, uh, it doesn't have sure he's a Black Panther on it, but that's fine because, like, at, like, you know how, like, some posters will do, like, the two main characters, like, at the top blown up just their heads and then below is, like, the, the ensemble cast? Yeah. So that's what the Walmart one does. So it has Shuri and uh, Namor on the top, and then it has um, Mbaku, uh, Koye, Nakia, and I don't know why Angela Bassett's character is escaping my brain right now. The queen? <laughs> yeah, queen. Ramonda. Yeah. yeah, Ramonda. Queen Ramonda. Thank you. I'm sorry. So I her sitting on her throne with the others right right by her. Um then like freaking you got some like awesome like designs in the back of like Wakanda like Wakandan designs and then um oh my Talokan Talokan thank you Talokan designs and then uh what makes this one special is um you get a uh limited edition enamel pin that just looks like the Black Panther logo but it's still cool. It's pretty cool. Um, I honestly think this actually looks better than the Wakanda Steelbook. I'm really <laughs> picking on that Steelbook, but it's not that good. Um, and it sucks because, um, like they're releasing a, uh, black, uh, they're releasing another Black Panther 4K Steelbook, uh, to, uh, coincide with the second one. Um, and like that one looks just so much better. Like, honestly, they could have, the way that one is literally they could have done the exact same thing because it has so it has Okoye Shuri uh Daniel Kaluuya's character I forget his name in the movie um Nakia and then Killmonger and then like blown up as uh uh Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther literally just replace just put Shuri's Black Panther and then just put like the rest of the uh, main characters in the places of these guys, and but like also keep it the like uh, the like silver uh, look that they're going with this, with like the black and purple background and the tree in the back. The, that would have been perfect for the Black Panther, uh, the freaking Wakanda steelbook. That would have made so much more sense. But whatever. Um, so it's really sad that the first Black Panther steelbook is that's coming out on Tuesday looks better than the freaking sequel one. Yeah, dude, I would have kept it freaking basic as shit. Yeah, the uh, the steelbook, like I would have gone with a um, like the the fabric pattern of the Black Panther suit of Shuri's suit, like with maybe some of those highlights throughout the entire steelbook. And then done her like a side profile of her mask, and then just the smaller images of everyone else down below. See, like it'd been it. There we go. Easy, freaking yeah. No excuses, just lazy, very lazy. Um, but yeah, that that's it for 4K. Um, yeah. So 
If you guys want to pick up Black Panther Wakanda forever, those are your options, and you've got a shit ton. Like, goddamn. Hell yeah. All right, moving on over to Through the Wall. Um, the only bit of news is today, as of like when we're re- recording, um, we got an announcement for the what James Gunn plans to do with the DC Universe. And I got to say, nothing he's discussed is sounds bad. Like, none of it. Um, I agree. He, so he is separating. He's making, like, a distinct um, separation between what is his DC universe and what he is now calling Elseworld. Um, so I know within the MCU, he had, like, they have, like, their kind of separation. They have the stuff that's considered Marvel Studios, and that's, like, within the MCU, and then they have their Marvel Legacy stuff, so that includes, like, anything pre-Iron Man. That's, like, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. I mean, actually, technically, those could be MCU now. That's true. Same thing with the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah, so it's like anything Marvel-related prior to the first Iron Man, and like uh, I think uh, some content is now considered Marvel Legacy. Um, What they're doing with the DC Universe is everything will be under a DC Universe flag, Um, and then anything that's like considered a one-off story or anything that's not tied into the overall picture of James Gunn's universe will be marked as DC Elseworlds. So that will include Zack Snyder's universe and any other movie. Like, that will be where Matt Reeves' uh, Batman will be put. Uh, The Joker will be put there. Um, So anything that's not related to the DC universe will be marked as Elseworlds. Um, but James Gunn said that they're pushing forward with the releases of like everything that's been in works. So we're going to be getting Shazam Fury of the Gods. We're going to be getting Blue Beetle. Uh, we're going to be getting Aquaman 2 and all that. So he's like that. the most important one. The Flash. Oh. <laughs> Dude, I've had so much shit spoiled about The Flash for me. Like, oh, I, I'm sucks, a, man. yeah. And it's freaking Pop. It's freaking Funko that spoiled it. Oh, yeah. Dude, okay. Yeah, same here. Uh, I thought you were thinking of just like leaks online, but yeah, no, if it's Funko. Yeah, same here, man. Yeah. So, this, so he, released that or he said that that's what the release is going to be for the next like few years or next couple years um but by 2025 they will be full blown in DC universe mode and he says that everything is going to tie into one big picture um th- when they cast people the they're going to cast the people to be in the animated shows or movies that they do playing like that character it is it they said it will be one actor for everything. I love that idea so much. 
Yeah, and they said that they might they might even consider doing like tie-in video games to these, and I'm like, that's freaking dope. That's very dope. <laughs> um, so let's see the um, so the things that were announced. Um, the first thing is a thing called Creature Commandos. Um, so they have, so it's going to be an animated show, um, and it's just basically monsters. Um, but it's centered around Rick Flagg Sr. But, and so that's like, the Creature Commandos are going to, it's, it's basically just a superhero team of monsters because they have um, someone called Dr. Phosphorus, Eric Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, uh, a GI robot, and Weasel. All right, I'm down for anything with Weasel, so. Yeah, so uh, that's going to be an animated series, um, probably going to be released on HBO Max, which is awesome. Um. But a lot of the characters from these animated shows are going to make live-action appearances, and they're going to be played by the people that voice them. So I'm very excited for that. Same here. Um, the, the next show that they are pushing is called Waller. It's going to star Viola Davis. It's a live-action show. And this is just kind of a, a placeholder between Peacemaker season one and two. And it's mostly because James Gunn said, like, I haven't had time to work on Peacemaker season two. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, you know, kudos to him for telling it out. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they have like a great team behind it. It's going to be the executive producer behind Doom Patrol, which Doom Patrol is incredible. Um, and then they have a writer from. Watchmen that's going to be on it the the series so super pumped for that um next up they have a another TV show called Lanterns that will be a detective mystery show based around Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart so that's going to be incredible i can't wait to see the like i can't believe we're gonna get both of these on in one show that's gonna be super dope yeah um next up is paradise lost um which is a wonder woman prequel that's going to be a game of thrones style themiscira and it's so it what he said it's going to be a like I said, Game of Thrones style show, but it's going to explore the political game between Themyscira and what a uh, society of women do in order to gain power. Shit. So I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, and then the last show that he announced was Booster Gold, which is a time-traveling superhero. But so he, in his timeline, or in his, like, time he's like a loser but he travels back in time with the with tech from the future and becomes a superhero and it's supposed to be him dealing with imposter syndrome so I think hmm. that will be really interesting because I, I le really like Booster Gold 
at least from what I've seen. And so I think I this is going to be there at all. So, yeah, I mean, he's kind of a not like it's hard to explain who he is. He's just kind of one of those like really on not well known heroes. Like I think he showed up in like maybe one episode of Justice League Unlimited. Oh, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. So it, it it's not a super popular character, but I feel after the series, he's going to be very popular. Okay. Uh, so that's all that we got in terms of TV shows, um, which I'm assuming are all going to be put on HBO Max. Um, and then the movies, uh, the first movie within the DC universe will be released in July of 2025, and it's going to be Superman Legacy, and it's going to be focusing on the struggle between Superman's work-life balance, like being a superhero and his human side um so that'll be really interesting and they're going like as old fashioned as they can where he's he serves with kindness like that whole deal Uh, so that'll be fun uh the next show that we're our movie will get is called The Authority and it kind of has an Eternals vibe to it I'm cool with that. Yeah, so it's going to be exploring these anti-heroes who will go to whatever lengths necessary to fix what the broken world. All right. So I think that that one's going to be really cool. I think that's going to be like the next Guardians. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um... All right, the next movie will be The Brave and the Bold, which will be a Batman and Robin story, which is freaking awesome. Um, This will be focusing on the Damian Wayne Robin, which is my personal favorite Robin, and James Gunn is hoping that this will lead into uh, the Bat family. So that's going to include uh, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Jason Todd's uh, Red Hood, like all that good stuff. Uh, but cool, like our first on-screen Robin that's actually good <laughs> is going to be Damian Wayne, and I could not be more excited about that. Um. Oh. It says that he it will actually feature other members of the Bat Family. Nice. Um, it will not they, so Batman will not be played by either Robert Pattinson or Ben Affleck. So this is we will be getting a brand new Batman. Cool. Okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So I, I'm super pumped. Um. Next. We have, or the next movie will be Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Um, and this will be based off of a comic series written by Tom King, who is actually working on this film. Oh, so he will have a direct say. So I am 
so excited. Um, so this is actually exploring a different side of Supergirl. Like, we're not going to get the happy-go-lucky Supergirl. Like, we're going to have a Supergirl that's been through some shit. I'm all for that. Yeah, so, like, what they're focusing on is, like, Superman is being raised on Earth with, like, really, like, kind parents and raised with love. But Supergirl is living on a piece of broken Krypton and basically half to watch her loved ones die. Jeez. So I bet there, I, I hope that there's probably going to be like a survival aspect to this movie. I'm pumped for this. Like, I didn't know, like, I like Supergirl and all. I think she's cool, but I have, she's just too giddy for me. And so this version of her sounds awesome. I cannot wait for, for this version to get released. Um, And then the last move, movie that we're going to get is Swamp Thing. And so the, uh, James Gunn said that this will be like straight up horror. Yes, I love it. Yeah, so I, I'm really pumped. Um, I, I love what they're planning so far. Um, James Gunn has said that and like this is going to be chapters to an overarching story. Okay. And so the first chapter that they're going with is called Gods and Monsters. And so that's what like Superman Legacy will be the first movie within Gods and Monsters. Nice. So it's going to be really interesting to see where these people fall in line. Because I'm, I'm assuming Superman and Batman are going to be falling into like the, the gods category. Probably. And, I, like, and I, I throw Batman in there because I think Batman's just going to be viewed as like a symbol. It's not going to be like... That's like what I think. It's going to be like the symbol of Batman. But I think, I think we're gonna get thrown a curveball with Supergirl. I don't think Supergirl is gonna be like all good. You, you know what? I could see that, and I am absolutely all for that. Yeah, and then obviously Swamp Thing, and I'm assuming the Authority, um, with them being anti-heroes and stuff, are gonna be on the the monsters side. Yeah, that would make sense. So I am super pumped for the future of the DC universe. And honestly, I hope that DC has like a reigning dynasty. That'd be awesome. Yeah, like I like I root for for both teams. I'm a little bit more of a Marvel fanboy and it's just because I know the characters a little bit better. Same. Um but I want both sides to succeed. I love anything and everything superhero. And so being able to go to these and actually see something that is good in terms of, like with DC is going to be amazing. So I am very excited for what what they're doing and I can't wait to see uh future news about this. Like especially when 
like I'm I'm pumped for casting. Like I want to oh, see yeah. who I want to see who Hal Jordan and John Stewart are going to be played by. I want to see who Booster Gold's going to be played by. I want to know who our new, new Superman's going to be. I want to know who Batman, Robin. I want to know Supergirl, Swamp. Like I want to know all of that stuff. So I'm I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, so that's everything in uh, DC news. <laughs> <laughs> Went about it a little longer than I thought we were going to, and that is purely my fault. It's all good, man. It's all good. Um, did you have anything regarding this that you wanted to talk about? No, not, not really, just because I don't know the... Um, I don't really know the, not franchises, but um, the, uh, I guess the characters or there's a word that I'm looking for here and I can't think of it. Oh, I don't know these properties. Um, Well, like all I know is just Batman and Superman out of everything they said, like a little bit of Swamp Thing, but not that much. Um, So I don't really have a lot of say. I feel about this, but I mean, I'm very interested to see what he does, um, considering that I feel this is so different than what the DC movies have been thus far. Um, so no, I'm I'm very intrigued to to see what James Gunn does. Yeah, same here. Um, all right, well, since I'm done with that rant, <laughs> I wouldn't say it was a rant. Anyway, uh, let's say we get into this week's headliner. Let's do it. Alrighty, getting into this week's headliner, we will be breaking down Nightmare Alley. Uh, so for those of you that are new to our breakdown system, we have split movies into eight different categories that we individually score to come to a final All Bros letter grade. The eight categories that we score are story, writing, acting, character development, effects, music, costumes, and then we give our own personal score at the very end. All of those numbers get magically added up and spit through our algorithm. That gives us a movie, or a, not a movie. <laughs> it gives us a letter grade to compare this movie to others of a similar grade, as well as a percentage, so we can see what our ranking is. So, with that if you have not seen Nightmare Alley highly recommend highly recommend you go check this out it is currently available to watch on HBO Max and just do yourself a favor and go watch it it is really freaking good um, like we will be getting into so if you listen past this point and have anything spoiled for you it is your own fault. Um, so, with that um, comes our favorite segment, Reading with Rose. With two I love, e's. How you say, I love how you say that. Is it your favorite segment? Because I always screw it up most of the time. Yeah, pretty much. 
Fair. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. In 1939, drifter Stan Carlyle obtains a job at a carnival and watches a geek show in which a deranged man eats a live chicken. He begins working with the clairvoyant act starring Madame Zena and her alcoholic husband Pete. They use coded language and cold reading tricks which Pete keeps in a secret book. Pete teaches tricks to Stan, warning him against using them to pretend to speak to the dead. Stan also learns that the owner, Clem, hires troubled alcoholics to be his geeks, then gives them opium-laced alcohol so that they stay. Stan becomes attracted to fellow performer Molly and asks for her to leave the carnival with him, but she refuses. One night, Pete asks Stan for alcohol and is later found dead. Stan saves the carnival using his cold reading skills to convince the sheriff not to close it. Molly agrees to leave the carnival with Stan, to whom Zena has given Peter's book. Two years later... Stan has successfully reinvented himself with a psychic act for the wealthy elite of Buffalo with Molly as his assistant. During a performance, their act is interrupted by psychologist Dr. Lilith Ritter, who attempts to expose the rigid act. Stan bests and humiliates Ritter with his cold reading skills. Stan also cold reads Judge Kimball. The judge offers to pay Stan for a private consultation to help him and his wife communicate with their dead son. Despite Molly's object... object Jesus... Despite Molly's objections, Stan agrees. Ritter arranges a meeting with Stan to exchange the information. If he is truthful about his, about his background, she will give him information on Kimball. During their session, she learns Stan may have killed Pete and also that his alcoholic father neglected him as a child. With Ritter's information, Stan performs a su- successful reading for Kimball. He offers to split the profits with Ritter, but she refuses, agreeing to keep the money in her care to hide it from Molly. Stan informs Ritter that Kimball has offered to introduce him to Ezra Grindle, a former patient of Ritter's. She feeds Stan information about Grindle's past, namely how how he forced an abortion on a young woman named Dory. Stan and Ritter begin a romantic relationship, and he begins drinking. Stan continues to hold sessions with Grindle, who demands that Stan make Dory's spirit materialize in a seance. Stan agrees and plans to have Molly pose as Dory from afar. Meanwhile, Judge Kimball's wife murders her husband and commits suicide to be reunited. Oh my good lord! And commits suicide to be reunited with their son, whom Stan said was waiting for them. Molly initially refuses, but relents with the promise of being able to leave Stan if she cooperates. During the act, Grindle realizes it is a scam. He hits Molly and threatens Stan. Threat- wow, threatens Stan. Stan beats Grindle to death and runs over Grindle's bodyguard with his car. Horrified, Molly leaves. Stan arrives at Ritter's office to obtain his money, but she betrays him with depleted money rolls stuffed with dollar bills. Ritter blows off part of his ear with a pistol and taunts him. He he attacks her, but security arrives and he escapes. A flashback reveals that he killed his father by intentionally exposing him to hypothermia before burning his house down. As he descends into alcoholism and despair while traveling the hobo circuit, Stan sees ads touting Madame Zena. Stan finds a new carnival, and as he talks to the owner, he spies an embalmed freak in a jar on his desk, and the owner explains he purchased it from the old carnival which Stan used to belong to, which had disbanded. Realizing he is not going to find Madame Zena and Molly again, Stan desperately pitches his mentalist act to the carnival owner, who rejects it based on his his unkempt appearance and the act being out of fashion. The owner then changes his mind and offers him a drink and temporary work as a geek. 
using the same language Clem used to lure alcoholics many years ago. Realizing his fate, Stan accepts the offer, tearfully telling the owner that he was born for it, and he snaps and breaks down laughing. Dude, this movie... I don't know what... The trailers were very deceptive. In, like, a good way, I will say. I can't remember if I ever saw any of the trailers. Um, the only thing that I'm remembering of this movie... <laughs> was when it was released on Blu-ray, and I remember seeing the Steelbook, and I'm just like, holy shit, that looks so freaking cool, because, like, the front is just of, um, oh my god, how did I just forget his name? Uh, Bradley Cooper. Stan, uh, Bradley Cooper, right? That's who plays him? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's of Stan, Bradley Cooper, just, like, right on the front, he's the only one there. And, like, he's wearing his, like, classic, you know, like, what he wears throughout the movie. Well, not throughout the movie, but, you know, like, his hat, his coat, everything. He straight up looks like a detective. So that's what you get from it. That's what I thought this what, what this movie was going to be. And like Caleb said, it is not, it is not like that at all. Nothing like that. Um, not even a little bit. And I feel like that's what made this movie really good. Dude, it even, like put out the vibes in the trailer like I actually I might have to go back and like rewatch the trailers because I, I remember seeing like maybe one trailer about this and I wasn't too interested and it was because it came off like it was some sort of like murder mystery and I was just kind of like eh okay whatever like <laughs> you kind of seen one you've seen them all but true yeah they they did not market this correctly no and I think it was solely because of the hat dude straight up who would have thought a hat could convey so much yeah but oh my gosh this film was so good it like this just like getting straight into the story it was incredible to like you knew that that Stan was a shady character from the get-go he like you like it opens up with him burning a house down or like taking a body dropping it into a pit and then lighting the pit on fire so you you're under the assumption that he murdered somebody and you are absolutely correct on that assumption. And so it, it starts off with that. Then he walks into town and he's trying to catch a bus, but he sees uh, a little person. And so he follows the little person to the circus or this, uh, yeah, like this little, is that, is that considered a circus? That's not like full circus. That's like, that's freak, like a freak show, right? I, think so because were there were there any rides i mean there was like a carousel and stuff but i don't think there was like a like rides okay and yeah i i don't know maybe it is, isn't considered maybe. a fall on circus then maybe yeah, back maybe. then it was yeah that's what i'm thinking i mean they didn't have animals but it, it was like uh True. maybe like a a, a sideshow okay yeah. anything um, 
so they had like kind of circus acts like they had the strong man um they had like a hairy like a really hairy man like a, i guess a, like a wolf man and then they had yeah. like a, a geek which is just some like madman yeah um but so he he runs into these people he goes to see this geek show um and then he tries to like slip out and then he goes to like get work um like helping them tear down and then it's uh Clem the owner played by Willem Dafoe who asks him to like basically join them like hey you like tells him what he'll have like hey we don't really care what your what your background is um like you can help around here and we'll, we'll pay you good like you have a place to sleep you'll have food all all this good stuff and he's like all right like cool and we know he's running away from something yeah um like we we're we're led to believe for a majority of the film that it's like a just straight up murder <laughs> yeah um but yeah he joins this he picks up some tricks from uh like a mentalist and yeah it just kind of goes from there and then he's like sharing his ideas which are actually like solid ideas from like to the rest of the the gang um, on how to improve their shows and make it more dramatic because he just has this this sense for the like has a flair like to add a, a little something onto it um to make things more popular and it it te- seems to work um I fully admit like his whole idea with like the whole electricity bit with Molly not a bad idea like very very creative. Definitely added to it. Yeah, definitely. Um. So yeah, it just kind of goes from there, and it's it's really interesting. So it like it takes off, like kind of gives you a really good origin on how he gets into like this mentalist act, and then the movie shifts to completely. And like one of the things that the guy, so Pete, is the the man that teaches him some of the tricks. Um, of the trade at least when it comes to like mentalism and it's something that 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 man had like not done and like didn't perform it for himself like it wasn't part of the their act anymore um but he was talking about like the dangers of it and how he was like oh i get into this like you start to believe your own bullshit (laughs) And that that's when things become dangerous and like you're playing a con and one of the big warnings that they they put out is never do a oh what what's the term that they use? A spook show. Like no com communicating with the dead. No like none of that that stuff because it just leads to trouble and it and that's like exactly the route that he took. It it was just pure mentalism until he was challenged and then it turned into like a spook show for very important people. And it just was so good. 
and then like it started like progressively getting like more just like he was digging himself a grave like very very slowly and then by the time like all like hell breaks loose like you know how deep into this pit he is and you're just like freaking called it dude like (laughs) you screwed yourself yeah (laughs) no fault but your own Mm -hmm. um but I loved how they they tied in or like kind of combined the two tragedies um where it was oh what's his name not Judge Kimball Ezra like Ezra Grindle so Ezra Grindle is the one that's trying to communicate with his past lover or something like that yeah yeah so it's like once once shit hits the fan there and it's like right before it does so like right before shit hits the fan you see his previous um victim judge kimball and his wife um like with a whole murder suicide with them and you're just like oh shit and then yeah and then shit hits the fan with grindle and you're just like oh balls <laughs> like one bad thing after another it was, in, it was insane yeah and then he goes on the run he's like he's a wanted man we assume I wouldn't even know if he would be a wanted man because it's like I mean the Dr. Ritter would have had to like turn him in so I mean I guess he could like was a was a wanted man so he kind of went on the run ended up at this this show and it just like, did you know that it was going to end up where he was going to become a geek? Or no, I didn't. Like for a minute, that actually like for so it took me a minute to actually like put like um comprehend like everything that had just happened. Like once the credits started rolling, I'm like, okay, that just happened. It went like full circle for him. All right, I kind I I like that. Just for some reason, it took me a minute to. Like, I think, like, uh, not halfway through the credits, but, like, after we watched the credits for a little bit and we fi- we started talking about it after we finished it, um, then, like, I'm like, okay, finally makes sense. It's clicking into my head because I'm a little slow with uh, some movie plots. Yeah. Like, the, like, one of the things that just kind of really helped me figure out where movies are going to go is this idea and I think it was actually the um failing Hollywood that that said this it's in movies if someone pulls out a gun and puts it on a table by the end of that movie the gun has to go off right nothing is put into a movie on accident or for no reason usually there are some cases where that may be true but for the most part, like if a story is well written, things that are said at the beginning tie into shit that happens at the end. And so when Clem and Stan were sitting at the diner, right after they had just dropped off that geek at the um uh the hospital or nunnery or wherever the hell they dropped him off. Yeah. Um so for those of you that don't know, uh the geek is like this the madman of the 
this show, um, their geek got injured. And so they dropped him off and at the doorstep of like a nunnery and left him. Like just freaking bounced. Yeah. And so they go and have, they go to get food and Clem is explaining what the process of getting geeks is like. He says we get, like we, we he basically admits that he preys on these vulnerable people, like these homeless people that have nowhere else to go that are drinking like two bottles a day and are just like off their mind. He takes them in, kind of gives them a home, just says, hey, like I can offer you a like a steady job. It's only temporary. And then gets them hooked on opioids. And they get to the point where eventually they start to do just crazier and crazier and crazier things. And like one of the things that he says is like uh, basically eating a live chicken. Like he, he says, like eventually they're they'll eat the chicken, like they always eat it. Like get to that point, and when he was talking about that, I'm just like, okay, so this is where it's going. We're gonna see Stan's descent into becoming a geek, because it's like, why would they share that story if it wasn't gonna happen? Fair, like in my mind, that was the gun. That was the gun, and by the end of the movie that had to go off like that had a tie i like it did it had a tie into the story somehow and i'm like yeah. it's probably going to be stan becoming a geek and then it like that the suspicions were confirmed when he started drinking because he was very big like oh i don't drink i don't drink but the uh the therapist that he was seeing dr ritter um got him to start drinking and it just kind of like ruined his life. And so I'm like, yeah, that's, this is the beginning of his descent into becoming a geek. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that it, it, he didn't go to Clem. I'm glad that it started off somewhere else. And it was just like a trick of the trade that he, he fell into. And it's like, it's sad because it's like Stan didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. Like he, he fell into this and he like submitted to the fact that he was b- to become a geek. And the w- so the way that they went about that where it was just him on the rise. So you see him at like a really low point and he just builds himself up to being like a member of this sideshow attraction or roadside attraction and then working his way up to becoming a mentalist and then taking the show on the road and becoming a super high class mentalist act and then taking it just a little too far to spook show territory where he's like communing with the dead and everything and then just his slow descent into like madness is just it was so well done it really was like it's so freaking good um gosh, where where are you a story? I would say I'm I'm pretty high. Like honestly, I agree with everything that you said. The just watching Stan go from being on cloud nine, it feels um with his uh mentalist act and then just watching it just get 
worse and worse for him as the rest of the movie plays out. Um, you know, from him losing Molly uh, to um, to, uh, shit, I forgot her name. Uh, Doctor Ritter uh, screwing him over. Um, just it, it's a very it's it's sad to watch, but honestly, he he had it coming to him. Uh, karma's a bitch. That's yes. yeah. That's one way to put it. And Karma's is a bitch. That this movie teaches you it's that. <laughs> yep. Um. So, like, honestly, I would say I'm in the '90s for this. Um. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a '92. I'm actually a little bit higher than you. Um, I'm sitting at a '93. Hell yeah, sweet. Yeah, I mean, not much of a difference, but still, I thought it was an incredibly well told story. Um, next up, we got writing. There was some shit in this, like the di- like the dialogue itself was good. I would yeah. say overall. I mean, there was a little like nonsense lines that probably could have been cut out didn't really affect it too much or for me like or didn't impact my score too much um there are some like r- good highlights that i i would want to bring up the biggest one is right after stan pun- like uh punches grindle to death like busting his face open which was just rancid to see um Grindel's bodyguard comes running out and starts taking shots at Stan they jump in Stan and Molly jump in the car and Stan starts driving off and at first I thought okay this is just going to be like the classic shootout scene where he's going to start driving off uh bodyguard's going to come out and just start popping shots at the car, blow out the back window, and probably just go on from there. Just like, that's what I was expecting. So he pulls forward, or Stan drives forward a little bit, and he stops. And I was like, what the hell? And he shifts it into reverse, freaking floors it backwards. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then the Grindel's bodyguard comes running out, and then... Boom! Like, it hit with the car, and I'm like, yes! <laughs> like, it's one of those things, I'm like, that was, like, you know, you were there. I was just like, that was freaking smart. <laughs> like, it just, oh, shit. something that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. I, at least I haven't. Like, if they've ever done that before, like, I've personally never seen it. Like, it's always been that stupid popping shots at the back window bullshit. And yeah. it, I feel it's overplayed, but the way that they did that was sick. So he just kicks it in reverse, runs the dude's, like, runs his ass over, and Molly's, like, flipping out and, like, what the hell are you doing? And he's just, like, sitting there, and he's like, gotta do what I gotta do. Shifts it into drive, frick, runs the dude over again. I'm like, damn! <laughs> Oh, so freaking great! Oh, dude, I can't express how excited I got over that scene. I was just like, because it's it's just it's not often that I can be. I f- at least I feel that I get taken off guard that badly. Because for because I 
as the movie goes, I build like what I think is going to happen up in my mind. Like I said, uh, when Clem and Stan were having the conversation about the um, the geeks, I was like, okay, so that's where this is leading. And I was right about that. But it's like the way that we got there, like totally not what I was expecting. There was some shit that I was. Yeah. Um, that was like a little bit predictable. And it was because he was getting sloppy with his drinking. Um, Fair. One of the things that he, that Stan says to Dr. Ritter is being a mentalist and drinking does not mix well because he has to be on at all times. Like he has to be like as sharp and quick witted as he can be. And um, he's like, and if I'm not, I start to get sloppy. And when you get sloppy, you make mistakes. And that's when I thought, okay, that's how he's going to get like to the point of being a geek. I was, I wasn't quite, expe- I was expecting him to just go into drinking on his own. Um, but Ritter pushing him into it. And then at that point where it's where he was getting like sloppy and everything. And I'm just like, that was well done too. Yeah. I agree. Like really smartly written. Like they, they gave you all the clues you needed to figure out where the story was going, but still threw in some twists and turns. No, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So real I thought it was really well done. Um I may be a little lower on my writing score. Really? Okay. Well, no, actually no, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm actually not surprised by that. I'll take that back. I I might I'm not down too much though. Like I, I think I'm still nine I'm at like a ninety one. You know what I'm gonna match you with that. Um, yeah, literally everything Caleb said, absolutely agree with. Um, I especially uh sorry, I effed it up. Let I missed for some reason it's not like showing the full score. I don't know what I did. No, but, um, good. Anyway. Okay. Um, anyway. But yeah, no, literally everything absolutely agree with what Caleb said um I especially liked uh the whole way um that um Stan and Molly would like rehearse their act uh when he first um entered um oh my god I just forgot his occupation a mentalist mentalist thank you um how um uh, how would he Weren't they, like, communicating with, like, like was it, like, colors or some shit like that? I forget what it was. Yeah, so it was it was hand gestures. It was um, different ways of, like, communicating would indicate things that they were asking for. Okay. Um, so it was more like, because he would blindfold himself and then Molly would um, sneak in those hints through her uh, her speech um like she would say something and it would indicate the color um or it would indicate like what it was or what's what things said and so everything it was just word clues that he was using so it's just he would have had to have a like an amazing memory and then when he was asking for different things um he would do like 
like it'd be the fingers on his head and like just see silent things that he, um Molly could pick up and be like this is what I'm asking you to explain like oh I need the color oh I need uh what kind of metal if it's a watch or That's, this or that and so she would answer questions that would indicate to him what um what things were so it was just a form of communication and so it was just them mastering that that's what it was okay yeah some reason it's escaping my mind um but yeah that just especially the whole um actually i don't know where i was gonna go with that never mind uh yeah so he said same as caleb 91 nice all right, moving on over to acting. Um, we have a pretty star-studded cast here. Dude, straight up. Um, so just kind of dealing with the people that were like bigger roles, um, I would say we definitely have Bradley Cooper, who plays Stanton Carlisle. We have Kate Blanchett, who plays Dr. Lilith Ritter. Tony Colette, who plays Xena the Seer. Willem Dafoe, who plays Clem Hotley. Um, Richard Jenkins, who plays Ezra Grindle. Rooney Mara, who plays Molly Cahill. And then we have, let's say, David Strothairn, who plays Pete. Yeah, I think very, he's a very solid cast. Yeah, an amazing cast. Like, everyone just freaking blew it out of the water. Um, Who would your top three be? Uh, my top three? Uh, Number one, I got to give to Bradley Cooper. Was amazing. Um, But, I mean, he is amazing in literally everything he does. But especially in this one. Um, the way that uh, he conveyed emotion, especially towards the ending, um, that that was super, super, super solid. Um, number two, um, I would uh, I would actually give to Rooney Mara. Uh, I really enjoyed her performance as Molly. Um, I like that you know toward, at the beginning she was very soft spoken, didn't really know how to speak out for herself, but by the time that we got to the ending. With everything that happened with Stan, she was actually able to speak out for herself and like make the decision, no, I can't do this anymore, especially what she was asked to do uh, when it came to uh, uh, everything with Grindle. Um, I, I loved that. Uh, so she was fantastic. Um, and then uh, number three, um, I would actually give to Richard Jenkins, who played Ezra Grindle. Um, for this definitely for the biggest reason is that scene where they try to play off uh, Molly as his uh, deceased daughter um, and just it just goes to shit and just the, the way that he reacts is just so good and throughout the whole movie he's he's so good he gives off such good emotion when he can a little bit tell that Stan is putting him through the ringer a little bit he's just like no you're telling me everything that was wrong with me that I did wrong you're not telling me anything that I want to hear that I should be hearing from my dead daughter. Um, and the way that he's, uh, the way that he conveys emotion 
um, through the whole movie. He's super, super good. So, was it his daughter? Was it, or was it his wife? It, 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 it honestly, it might have been his daughter. For all I know, I, I can't remember now. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a lover, but it might, it, it might not have been. I, like it, it makes sense if it was, if it was his daughter. Like why, why she would have sent a postcard? Oh no, it wasn't. So no door. Uh, so Dory was just a. Uh, just says she was. It was a young woman that. Um, I guess he had a, a thing for. Um, and then remember, um, he forced her to get an abortion. Wait. Wait one second. I'm saying so as well. Santa agrees and plans to have Molly poses. Do- okay, yeah, so yeah, it is Dory. Okay, so yeah, it's a um, so yeah, I get so yeah, I guess it's like a ex lover. Okay, okay, yeah, so it's not a daughter. My bad. No, you're good. I was just gonna say, I'm like, okay, this this got weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, th- that scene, like, you knew it was going to go to shit. And, like, I even said before the scene happened, I'm just like, he, d- does Stan really believe that Ezra's not going to freaking just go after Molly? Yeah, right. And, like, not even, like, obviously, I think he would fall for it because, like, he wants to, but he thinks that he's going to be able to grab this dude who is just in total uh, in belief that he's able to see this manifestation of his dead lover and he's go- the person that he feels the most guilt over doing wrong and he's just going to be able to get on his knees and pray bullshit dude right dude seriously yeah and like i understand why stan went to the lengths that he did um, to try and pull off this whole thing with Molly, but he should have cut his losses when Ezra was like, "I can't do this." I I would have been like, "We don't have to," and just go, go from there. And then as soon as like Molly tries coming in, just like get out of here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. Xnay. Xnay. Jeez. It, <laughs> it was just. Oh my gosh! But yeah, that that scene was incredible between those two. Um, but I have to agree with you. My number one definitely going to Bradley Cooper. He's an underrated actor. I feel. Oh, absolutely! Like I don't think he gets enough credit for his roles. Like I know that he, like, like obviously, like I feel like he's won awards and stuff. But I I think people freaking sleep on him as in terms of, like, a good dramatic actor. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I really do. Like, he he freaking throws himself into roles. Like, I'd actually put him on the same level as maybe, like, Christian Bale. Yeah, dude, that's fair. Which, I mean, honestly, like, that might be a bold statement, but still. (laughs) Uh, my number two, gosh, this is hard. I might give to Willem Dafoe. Okay. 
that's a that's an excellent choice. Yeah, I I love loved what he did with with Clem and the conversations that he was was having with Stan and just teaching him the the way that the uh, the roadside attraction works. Like it, it was just so good, and he's just so weaselly. It's just yeah, like has he has an intimidation about him that's just awe inspiring. It is. Um, yeah, I know he wasn't like the biggest part in this movie, but he was an amazing part. Um, and then my number three, I'm going to give to Kate Blanchett. I loved how conniving she was. And she she freaking threw me for a loop. Same. Like Same. I thought I I'll say this, I didn't think her intentions when she was offering Stan a drink, I don't think that they were necessarily like 100% pure. But I didn't expect the full twist of like, ooh, I'm the bad guy. Like, yeah, like she gave us. And Kate Blanchett is just a freaking powerhouse of acting. She is absolutely incredible. Like, I love her. <laughs> um, but I mean, hell, she's in like she's in one of my all time favorite movies. What movie? Um. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Still have not seen that movie. Dude, so good. I know. I'm sleeping on it. But yeah, freaking love her in that. Um, And loved her in this. Like, this might be one of those movies that I go back to. Same here. Like, this movie surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, I don't know if it, like, it's, I, it's definitely not cracked, like, my top ten. But oh, yeah, same here. I'd say it it it's definitely somewhere within maybe my top twenty now. I don't know if I would go that high even, but it's probably top thirty for me. Yeah, I'd have to make a list, but I've never. I think it's up there. Never actually made a list. I know, neither have I. Like the only list I've made is top ten. <laughs> Fair, um, but. Top, yeah, top 20 might be pushing it a little, but top 30 for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I freaking loved... All, like, everyone's performance was amazing. And, I mean, duh, you guys had... Like, the movie's jam-packed full of amazing actors and actresses. So... Very true. Uh, where would you put your acting... I would actually give this the highest rating so far just because even the extras I thought were super, super good. I don't really have problems with any of them. Um, so I'm at 94. Damn, I I am really close to agreeing with you. I, I, I'm not quite at a 94, though. Fair enough. I think it's definitely somewhere between story and writing, so I'm going to give it a 92. Fair enough. All right, next up we got character development, which for, obviously we need to do this off Stan, but this is an, this was a really well done 
character arcs. So freaking good. This is one of the best. This is one of the best character arcs I've seen in a good long while. Yeah. Obviously, this is one of those those negative arcs where shit just kind of hits the fan for our main character. But they do it so well. It's it's like they start them like I said um, when we were discussing the story. They start them off at the freaking bottom, like running away from a freaking murder. Um, so he's running away from his troubles. He slowly works himself up to this point in a in a freaking roadside attraction becomes like starts becoming friends with everyone starts helping out around the circus a bit more i was just going to call it a circus <laughs> but we're, starts help yeah starts helping around a little bit more becomes more friendly gets in on the acts um starts doing this and that and then works himself up to like training as a as a mentalist and it just slowly like keeps working his way up and then you see him at the top of his game where he's performing this mentalist act for high society people and like blowing their minds and then you like again you see him like work his way up and he starts to plateau when he's at like doing the spook show shit and then it's just a really steady decline of everything and then eventually just kind of starts to peak a little bit or like plateau again and then just dumpster dive straight down to the bottom and it ends with him at like even lower than he was at the beginning but it was it was the build up dude that was so freaking good like this is exactly what I've talked about with other movies we need to see these people at their height or at the lowest. And like I said, we saw him at the bottom and then we saw it. And then at the end, he's at the freaking bottom. (laughs) Doesn't get much lower than that. Yeah. It's oof. It was really well done. Just the way they built this character up and you kind of start to have a little respect for him. Maybe not as a person because he kind of seems a little shitty. Um, Yeah. Especially to Molly. Well, okay, not especially to Molly, but as the movie progresses, de- yeah, definitely. Yeah, like he kind of has this uh, this skeeziness about him, like throughout the entire oh, yeah. of the movie. Totally. Um, but I think by the end, he loses that a lot, and you get to see him humbled. Yeah. So. It's 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 an it's really interesting. It, it's definitely one of the the better character developments that we've ever had. Absolutely. The question though is, how high is it? Oof. This one I think is. This one I'm sitting at a ninety. I think it's barely cracking ninety. Like coin flip, I could. It's probably down in like the 80s, but I, I'm wanting to be as a little bit nice. So I'll give it that that extra bonus point. And I'm going to agree with you and match you for that bonus point. 
All right, next up we got effects. Uh, not a whole lot in terms of special effects. Except for the fire that Caleb definitely had to point out. looks like shit. Oh, I completely forgot about that fire. Yeah. It's always so funny that in every movie that Caleb watched, because, I mean, unfortunately we can't watch every movie together, but every... It's been... I don't know how long it's been, but um, for the last little while, uh, every single time that we'll watch a movie together and he'll see fire effects, Caleb will not go out of his way, but he will definitely point out that, God, even I could do better effects than that fire. <laughs> and it's freaking hilarious. Dude, it, I'll it, start laughing at a scene that I shouldn't be laughing at. It looked super freaking fake. Oh no! It, it looked like they, it seriously looked like they t- went, they typed in fire effects green screen on YouTube and just like copy and pasted that shit into this the first one at that. Yeah, it's like none of the lighting matched up to the flame. It it was so odd because it it, it didn't look like anything was like on fire. It just yeah. looked like there was a fire effect on top of it. I don't I don't understand why they couldn't do like they couldn't burn the actual house down. Freaking Halloween kills did. Yeah, it's a freaking set. Burn that shit to the ground. Yeah. Like honestly, I they would they would have had it's so much easier with the scene. Freaking um in Halloween kills, they only had one shot to get Michael walking out of that house perfectly. Yeah, like, one you shot. Could tell, you could tell with that one that that house was just straight up on fire. Yeah, no, that was absolutely real fire. Yeah, this, it's like, you couldn't spend like a, a couple extra bucks to freaking just build a set and light that shit on fire. It's not like it's it'd be hard. No, would not. Like, are you worried about recycling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Like, or... Just something, because it didn't look like anything was like legitimately on fire. Like it wasn't. There wasn't anything burning. It was just there was fire where stuff was. Yep. <laughs> it it not good. Definitely not good. Um, were there even any other effects besides that? Not nothing like special effects wise. That I feel so everything else seemed to be pretty practical. Yeah. Um so I mean I was I was impressed with that like when Grindel was like beaten to death and his like nose was gone like that looked that, jacked up. Yeah, those were good prosthetics right there. Yeah, I mean if it was special effects like freaking or maybe it was good on you. But it looked like it could have been Either prosthetic. Way. Either way, looked really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, how all the stuff that Clem had in his collection of like, oh, yeah. the weird jacked up sewn together baby. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, so that shit was haunting. Yeah, dude, straight up. Um, yeah, everything else looked really good. Um, I mean, some of the effects too. Oh, here's one. That, um, so Molly was a performer for like this, she can conduct electricity sort of situation. Um, I really liked her effects. 
I think my biggest issue with like lightning is that it never looks realistic enough. That's fair. Like I've always kind of been upset with like the Thor effects, especially when he's doing lightning because it just looks so fake. Um, I think my only issue with the the lightning effects on this were maybe it was a a little too blue. Like I think it, I think it needed a bit more glow. Yeah. Um, and it needed to be like white, so it needed like white lightning with a blue glow. Um, but those were honestly some of my favorite lightning effects. Fair enough. Yeah. So this is one might actually be close to my lowest, if not my lowest. I feel it's my lowest. Yeah, I think I'm sitting there like an 83, maybe. It's nicer than me. I'm going to give it an 82. It's not like much of a difference. Yeah. yeah, I thought you were going to be in like the seventies. <laughs> no, I'm not that mean. Yeah. Um. All right. Next up, we got music. Nothing. Not us. Yeah. Like Ever, I mean, really stood out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's the biggest thing I can say about it. the where it needed to be serious. The music fit where it needed to be kind of like upbeat. The music fit. Yeah. So I mean, music wise, I think I'm just. Like six. Same here. Like barely above average, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, all right, costumes were these pretty decent. Yeah, these were really good. Um I love the outfits that they put Kate Blanchett in. Yeah. She looks so elegant. Yeah, she did. Those were so good. Yeah, and then I didn't know quite where to put this. Either. I Like, I know this doesn't count as costumes. It's just something I wanted to bring up. I loved, as a, from like a woodworking perspective, I loved her office. <laughs> it was, it was a freaking woodworker's wet dream in there. <laughs> like, I, I, I was just like, oh, can I just go in there and look? <laughs> Oh, this would be like, is this like in your top five movie sets you would actually want to explore? Dude, this is probably my number one movie set I'd want to explore. It, it, like I said, woodworker's wet dream. Like, fair enough, man. Oh, so good. Like all the drawer or all the, the wall faces, the drawers that she had. Like, I love the freaking like, uh, book pattern that she had on the walls. It was just, oh, so good. Like, <laughs> like I could honestly, like, ever. I got so excited every time they were in her office. I'm just like, yes, I want to see more. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Oh, anyway, getting back to, like, the costumes. Um, Were there any standouts for you? Not really. Uh... I mean, even, like, none of the, like, Carney's costumes really stood out, but they still look super good. Like, Yeah, they, they did. Like, they made sense for what they tried to get across. Um, 
So, uh, for costumes, I'm at an eight. That's about where I'm at, too. I actually might be more like at a seven. I can do seven. Yeah, I mean, it fit for the time, and that's probably about as much as you can say about it. Yeah, that's true. All right, last up, we got our own personal scores. You want to take this one first? Would love to. Um, So... This is honestly one of the biggest surprise movies that I've watched in a very long time just because it caught me out of left field on what it was actually about. Um, and so I was looking at like the seal book uh, inside artwork and I never noticed it's actually like car- like carny attire. It's so, like you have like carnival signs, like it has like uh, the, uh, not tarot cards, but like the like cards that they, that uh, circuses used. So like I guess that should have been impre- I should have like picked up on that kind of stuff, but for some reason didn't at all. Well, okay. Well, I based off the trailer, I knew it was set around like circus. I th- I just thought it was Bradley Cooper's character investigating like a circus murder. You know what? I wouldn't have hated that movie. But I'm happy with the one that we got. <laughs> I'm very happy with the, with the one that we got. So, yeah, don't don't beat yourself up too much about that because, like okay. I said, we were both fooled. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, one of Bradley Cooper's best performances, I feel, of his career. He was incredible in this movie. Everyone was. Um, I don't have any problems with any of the actors. Everyone brought their A game. Um. And honestly, this has become one of my favorite Guillermo del Toro films. Um, he did a fantastic job with this one. Um, so, personal grade, I'm going to go a 92. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I love being taken off guard by movies, especially good ones like this. So, I mean, I had one hell of a time watching this. And, yeah, I mean, basically just everything you said. Um, I am a couple points lower, though. Um, I think I'm going to be sitting at, like, a 90 uh, for my personal score. But still, like, an amazing film. Definitely worth the watch if you have HBO Max and get a chance to. Like, I'd, I'd say it's even worth going out to purchase. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, support physical media. <laughs> um, all right. Well, with that, starting off with story, uh, we started off at a ninety-two point five. Writing was a little bit lower, sitting at a ninety-one. Acting bumped right back up to a, a ninety-three. Acting is sitting at a very or yeah, acting is sitting at a 93. Character development sitting at a very strong uh, 90. Effects was one of the lower that we we gave. It's sitting at an 82.5, and it's mainly due to shitty fire. Um, the music, nothing too out there, and I think I think soundtrack wise, it it was what it needed to be. I think a soundtrack any better would have been a little over distracting. That's fair. Um, but again, it is it's it worked with the scene, so again, nothing too special there. So 
We ended up giving that a six. Uh, costumes for were fairly good. Um, so we ended up giving that a little bit higher, sitting at a seven. And then our personal score ended up averaging out to a 91. So with all that magic, the final All Bros letter grade for Nightmare Alley has come to a... B plus, not bad. Yeah, it's um, it's on the lower end of of B plus movies, at least for us. Um, but honestly, I think it has a a pretty decent home. So it, like, just looking real quick at where it, it's ranking. Um, so it is sitting currently at an eighty six point eight seven percent. Uh, so that puts it below nobody, which is sitting at an 87. It is below the original Halloween, which is at an 87.06. Cool. I see you smiling. Um, it is sitting below Psycho, which is at an 871 and then it is sitting below the Willoughby's, which is at an 87.24. All right. Uh, going the opposite direction, it is above In the Heights, which is at an 86.81. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I love you that like movie. In the Heights more? I think I did. Dude, man, you know me. I'm a sucker for musicals, so true that. Um, let's see. It is above Frozen 2, which is at an 86.59. All right. It's above Scream 2022, which is at an 86.56. All right. It is above The Lovebirds, which is at an 86.54. And then finally, it is above The Lego Movie 2, which is at an 86.5. Oh, the Le- the Lego Movie Two and Black Adam, which are both at oh, okay. six point five. Okay, yeah, you know what? I I agree. It has a good placement. Yeah, I mean the margins there are ridiculously close. Like it's it's really freaking close. Like, let's see. Like, how far up do you have to go for like a full percentage? So yeah, there's 13 movies above it before you Damn. you get to a like a a full percentage difference. Damn. And then below it it's like the same deal. Like the difference between Nightmare Alley and our lowest B plus movie, which is Mr. Peabody and Sherman, not even a full percentage. Wow. Damn. So, like, to get a full percentage away from Nightmare Alley, you're in the B range. Okay. Wow. So, it, it, like I said, the margins are tight. Dude, no kidding. So, I freaking love our, our system, dude. Like, same here. I love how, like, intricate it gets. Because it's, like, I, so I have to round up. So, like I said, 86.87 for Nightmare Alley. 
It's actually 86.875. Okay. All right. And then, like, if we're talking, like, uh, Halloween, it's 87.0625. And then, like, the, our most redonkulous one, the Willoughby's, is actually at an 87.2499125. <laughs> okay. All right. Which, it's like that because we had Beth and DJ on for that one. Uh, so, oh, that's why our scores are, like, crazy. Next. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Which I love. Like, yeah. not complaining about that in the slightest. I freaking love when when we get scores like that. Um, so yeah. That is where Nightmare Alley is sitting. Um, so unless you have anything else to say about this movie. I got nothing. I do believe that concludes this week's breakdown. Um, if you like this episode, want to hear more of our stuff, be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We are basically everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. Uh, you can catch all of our episodes on YouTube as well, if that's how you would prefer to listen. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media. If you want to hit us up with an episode idea, answer our question of the week that we actually post. Um, or if you want to join us for an episode, we would love to have anyone on and actually speaking of question of the week <laughs> we did have a question of the week that we posted we just it's for bullet train so I think I'm going to save those answers for next week when we actually do talk about bullet train sounds good Um, but I do want to shout out the people that um, responded. So big shout out to Jakey Film Guy, um, Raider Nathan 420, uh, Hector underscore Salamandra, uh, Chris underscore Tunes 8, and... Bailey Hyde. We absolutely appreciate your answers, and we promise we will read those off next week. It's just not related to the movie we're discussing this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, we like I said, we'll we'll be reading those off, so you'll get an, a second shout out on the next episode uh, if you're listening to this one. So anyway. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Um, and please continue to answer our question of the weeks when we post them. Uh, which you can do, or you can find where on Facebook, Twitter I'm a little less active on now because I'm pretty sure that's going to freaking shit. Um, but we're also on Instagram and TikTok, all at the All Bros. Or you can email us at channel at gmail.com. Um, you can also check out our website, which has not been updated in a while, but that's my fault. Um, it's tinyurl.com. <laughs> well, I'll take blame, too, because, oh, well, I'm just saying, I'll take blame, too, considering that I could have jumped in and helped with that. So. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so be sure to check that out. It's tinyurl.com forward slash the Aubros, um, where you can find links to everything that we do, including including a merch store. Um, if what you find on that website isn't to your liking, you can also um, just message us and say, hey, I like this artwork and want to get a shirt of or hoodie or whatever of it and we will get it made for you um and honestly like it's just whatever it costs to get it made we're not going to charge any more than that yeah the only thing it'll cost is a picture of you wearing said shirt yes or hoodie or yeah whatever you get you either wearing it or holding it that's what we ask yeah that would make us super happy uh, anyway, next week will be our actual breakdown of Bullet Train. Um, so yeah, you guys can look forward to that next week. Um, but until then, this has been the All Bros Podcast. I'm Caleb. And I'm Jonathan. And we'll catch you guys next week. This is Shalom. Oh, Herbert's back. Yeah, he's uh, slowly transitioning back.